Hi everybody, my name is Rob Maiolo and welcome to episode mm, 35, maybe, of the Hi Hakiki podcast, a podcast about industry, entrepreneurship, and life from a person that clearly sucks at all three. Thank you for being here. Um, we just had, I just had an episode uh, with Jazz, that was my first like, like one-on-one interview episode. It was really cool, so thanks to him for, for coming on, that was a lot of fun. There's someone throwing out garbage in the garbage disposal in my condo and it's very distracting. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Tonight I was supposed to record episode two of, uh, of a rap album review show that I started with a couple buddies, uh, but they weren't able to make it, shocker. Um, and then I was supposed to do uh, another guest podcast with my other buddy Mike. Uh, he wasn't super feeling it, so we decided not to do that. So I said, why? Don't I just do a podcast for myself instead of relying on other people? Uh, so here I am doing it. Um, so what has happened in the past couple of days? Um, not a ton other than, you know, typical world melting uh, with racism and pandemics. Um, what, it's funny, I, was, I messaged uh, a guy named Mike Yet another guy named Mike. Sorry, I'm just going to move back so you can see the top of my hair. I've got the Jim Harry hair. Jim Carrey hair going on right now. Um, I messaged my buddy, Mike, who I met at a hostel in Los Angeles. No, in San Diego. Um, when I went at the end of February. Excuse me. And he does Muay Thai. Muay Thai? Muay Thai? Uh, boxing, I guess, whatever it's called. The martial art called my time. I just had a whole pizza. You can see it over here. Sorry, I'm looking at it on my screen. Yeah, right there. <laughs> that whole guy right there. I ate the whole fucking thing. Um, so I'm burping a lot. I apologize. I, um, yeah, so I met a guy named Mike. He does my tie, my tie, uh, in in Boston he was in San Diego because he wanted to move there and he was looking for like I guess dojos or gyms or whatever they call it in that field um so we were staying in the same hostel so we kind of just like became friends hung out a bit uh he went back back to Boston now but he has a pretty successful Instagram page and YouTube page where he posts videos and I messaged him because I've been if you've noticed I've been doing a lot more uh, podcast episodes and with all with the popularity of zoom I've kind of enjoyed like interviewing people and letting people kind of you know come on the podcast create a video they say cool things about their business it promotes them they can clip it put on their Instagram content 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 as if there's not enough fucking content in this world so I messaged him and said uh you know, do you want to come on? You can promote your YouTube page. You can promote your Instagram page. You can, you know, give some tips about building a business, tips about fitness and exercise and stuff like that. So I think he's going to come on this weekend. Let's see. But um, talking to him reminded me of that trip to California. I don't know what, what made me think of this. I went, so I went to California. I went to San Diego for five days, four days. And then I went to Los Angeles. I drove to Los Angeles for three or four days I think and I remember I tried to go to comedy shows almost every night because I went by myself so it's 
a fun thing to do. Going to a comedy show at night is like one of the few things you can do alone is because you're not supposed to be talking to other people. You're supposed to be looking and listening and paying attention. So I, I went to a couple and I went to open mic night at the Hollywood Improv. And I'll never forget it because I've had like moderate amounts of interest to do open mic comedy but never obviously did it. So I go to the open mic night and it was much more supportive and I guess not as intense and cutthroat as I thought it would be. But um, and so everyone's super cool. They have these two hosts. I go there at like 8 o'clock at night. I think the show starts at like 8.30 or 9. And there's, you know, 40 people outside just like mulling around. But they're not, and they're not in line and they're not, they're not trying to, like, they're not buying tickets or anything. So I go to the ticket booth and I'm like, hey man, trying to get on for, op- trying to just be an audience member for open mic night. Um, but it looks like you're sold out. There's a million people here. And he goes, no, all those people are um, signed up to be on stage. Like they're all like comedians and like trying to book a spot, I guess. So he's like, if you want to come in, like, fuck, come in. There's all the room in the world. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I I do that. And half hour later, I I get in. And he goes, so sorry, I I get into the the show. And I'm one of seven audience members. And the rest are just open mic comedians. And pretty much they each get three minutes. There was a lady, I think her name's Rita who was in the back of the room and she was like the booking agent. So if you were good, she would call you back the next day and then you'd do another set, something like that. And so so I'm, I'm in the back beside that lady, Rita, and she was with someone else who, I guess, organized, helped organize the club. And one of the open mic comics come up, comes up and is talking to the guy who's organizing the night. And it seemed like they had known each or knew each other or known each other. So anyway, I just remember this guy going up to her and saying, uh, so like, you want me to, o- you want me to be the first one? Like, you want me to open? And they're like, yeah, sure. If you want to go first, he goes, yeah, no problem. Like, yeah, I can do that easy. Like with the confidence of a, of, you know, a guy that sells out Madison Square Garden. He's just like, he's, let's see, can I get in? Sure. He's standing like, you want, me, you want me to, uh, you want me to go in? Yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. Just like. So I'm looking at this guy like, yo, this guy's about to fucking destroy this crowd, like, with all that confidence. He gets on stage. I, I'm going to sit down because I can't. Sorry if I'm like, this is going to be my, my microphone here. He gets on stage. And I, I remember this so vividly because this is when I learned that 99% of people are just complete bullshit. He gets on stage, he has the mic, and he goes, good morning, uh, or good evening, uh, Hollywood Improv. And everyone goes, woo! <laughs> I, I can't, I, I don't remember the rest of it, but I just remember his first joke. He goes, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy, and I look a little, you know, dangerous, so other white guys don't want to hang out with me. And I've got this Richard Pryor tattoo. Richard Pryor is a black comedian from the 80s, if you don't know. Uh, I've got this Richard Pryor tattoo on my arm so the black guys don't know what to do with me. So I hang out with the Mexicans. That was his opening joke. 
And when I tell you there wasn't a cough, a drop of a pin, uh, definitely not a laugh, uh, like just like nothing. Nobody like picking up a spoon or dropping, like just not like nothing, just complete silence. He got to do three minutes because I think all the, the open micers get three minutes. There wasn't even a fucking noise, not a, not even a boo, like just like, like big pain, <laughs> painful, painful, never-ending silence. And then he just, you know, he's like, "All right, guys, thanks for you know, have a great night or whatever." And then just like, like just pity claps or pity claps rather, as he walks off. And then the host comes back on because they just the, the host comes on, they do a couple jokes, bring in the next guy. They come back on, do a couple jokes, bring the next guy. The host comes on, doesn't make fun of the guy or anything, and just goes, all right, keep it up for Jim Magoo or whatever it was. And I, I just, I, I couldn't get it out of my head that, like, that dude had so much confidence going up to the pers- the people that were organizing the show. Just so much confidence of, like, yeah, you want me to go on first? Yeah, sure, problem, yeah, easy, I can do that. And had just nothing to back it up. And I don't know, that just, it, that, when I was thinking of that San Diego trip and that trip to California, it just stuck with me. Cause like, I didn't know, like, I didn't know what else. It makes me wonder how many other people that have this insane amount of unwavering confidence, how many of those people are like that guy who are just all talk and all confidence and are all like yeah sure no problem i can take care of that easy no problem absolutely and then they go to do the thing and they're like fumbling all around yeah so that (laughs) that's so anyway talking about mike uh the muay thai guy made me think of that um think of that thing but uh yeah open mic comedy man looks fucking it looked like a pretty friendly environment, a lot more friendly than I thought. Um, it was also a lot more clicky than I thought. There's like, you could, I could see the comedians in terms of who they wanted to be. So like a bunch of guys that looked like they wanted to be the next Kevin Hart, they were all hanging out together. A bunch of guys who wanted to be the next um, Jerry Seinfeld, they were all hanging it out together. Then there was like the woke wannabe Trevor Noah crowd, the the goofy Jim Gaffigan wannabe crowd, but they were all just kind of like bunched up together. So it was really funny to to see like it was a friendly environment, but it seemed like fake fake friendly rather. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. And the thing is, the open mic started at nine p.m. and it was. 11 by the time I'm like I got out of there because I'm like I can't fucking like there were so many people bombing I just couldn't I can't watch someone bomb I can't do it some people think it's funny I just like just like cringe just like ugh it's the worst feeling just like it's so that is a definition of cringeworthy is watching someone bomb so I couldn't do it so I left but I think they go until like 1.30 at night or something so I'm like like one thirty in the morning rather so 9 to one thirty, that's like whatever, four or five hours, which means, and the way you get on is you just write your name on a list, they put you in a hat, 
and then those two dudes who were hosts, they would pick it, pick a name and be like, all right, next stop is Timothy, next up is Jennifer, and they would just come on. So you're, you would get there at, first of all, you'd get there at 7 to write your name down, then you get into the club at 8.39, and then you have to sit potentially until 2 a.m. for your chance to go on and do three minutes. And maybe you don't even get on. Maybe they don't get to your name because there were so many fucking people there. You know, three minutes each. You know, if it was efficient, 20 people could get on an hour. But there's like, you get on, you get off, there's the host. So probably only 10 people got on per hour. And there was like 50 people there. So there's, there was definitely a chance that you wouldn't even get on. And like, even if you do get on, Okay, maybe that girl, Rita, she thinks you're good, so you're banking on that. And then you have to come back, and then, like, I'm sure, ugh, man, it did not look fun at all. Whatever, like, yeah, I don't know, whatever intro me wanted to, and there was also, like, a deep underlying loneliness and sadness to it. But, I mean, if you're the one of, you know, 30,000 that can make it out and, and do well and become a famous comedian. Seems like a, seems like a sick life. You do go on the road, do comedy, do what you love, do specials, do your podcast. I don't know, man. It seems like a tough racket, but yeah, I think you have to like, I think you have to head over heels, be in love with comedy in order to make it. Otherwise you would never, like you would, you would go to that first open mic night and it'd be three hours of watching comedian after comedian just shit their pants. And you'd be like, all right, I can't fucking... I'm going to do this for the next, you know, 10, 10 years or whatever. However long it takes to get famous, if it ever even happens. So I think you have to love it. I think if you're doing it to get a movie or you're doing it to get a special or you're doing it to get money, I think you'd fucking... I think you'd wash out on the, the shore for sure. I remember there was one one girl who was like... When I say funny, I mean she probably had two good jokes, like, but compared to everyone else. And I'm not, this, I'm not saying they were bad, it's the problem, the problem is, the problem with comedy when you see it live, is that if no one else is laughing, it's kind of awkward to laugh. Like if someone tells a joke and nobody finds it funny, but you do, you're kind of like, <laughs> just like weirdly in the corner. So anyway, this lady, or woman, whatever, she had like a decent set. She probably got, you know, in three minutes, she probably got three laps, which is, you know, not bad, I guess, for an open micer. So I'm mercilessly leaving at, you know, 10.30, 11 o'clock, and I see her outside smoking a cigarette. And, uh, and, and she's like, I have to walk by her to get to the street, to get to my car, to, to drive wherever else I was driving. And as I'm walking by, I go, hey, you were really funny up there. And I swear to God, it's like I just told her. Um, it's like I just gave her a million dollars and cured her grandmother of terminal ca cancer. Like just, I remember I, I just went, hey, you were really funny up there. And she like was about to take a puff and she puts it down. She goes, wow, dude, thank you so much. Like, uh, and it was nice that she was nice. But heartbreaking because it seemed like that was the only time anyone has ever said that to her <laughs> in their entire life. And it's just like, oh, God. It's, it's, 
tough business. I also wonder, as friendly as I think it is, here's my other theory. When I went in there, it seemed like the, the comedians were super friendly with each other. However, because there were so many comedians, they kind of made up most of the crowd. So I wonder if they were pers- purposefully, purposefully, purposely, I wonder if they were purposely not laughing to make it seem like the other comics were bombing because they didn't want to laugh and make it seem like the person who's on stage is crushing and then the lady, the booking agent in the back is like, wow, they're getting a lot of laughs, I'll bring them back. Do you think that, like, that can't be it? I'm sure, I'm sure there's part of it. I'm sure there's like a competition and a jealousy. When I was leaving, I heard these three comics, I guess, fucking waiting for their turn to get on, but they were just standing outside. And there was this one like typical jaded comedian who's like, she, you know, she's telling me to change my act. I can't change my act. What do you want me to do? Change my act. Like he's all like fired up walking around. And then there's the classic like cool, chill out, tall guy, like smoking a cigarette. He goes, Tommy, listen, just do your act. That's all you got to do. Just who gives a fuck what they say? Do your act. Make yourself happy. And the, the other guy was like short and angry. I've been in this business for fucking like, yeah, I left there like, ooh man. If you can go through that night and still want to be a stand-up comedian, you must really want to be a stand-up comedian. That is my, that is what I got out of that scenario. So anyway, I've been going on 20 minutes about fucking Hollywood improv, but. But that's, uh, yeah, quite the, uh, quite the experience. I was texting my buddy today, and my phone does this weird thing where if I just want to go, ha-ha, it auto If I go H-A-H-A, it leaves it. But if I go H-A-H-A-A or H-A-H-A-H, it auto-corrects it to, like, 15 ha's back like ha so like I wanted to just message him like you know we were out playing Catan late yesterday so I wanted to message him like hey man like how you feeling this morning a little uh, Catan hangover ha ha but it auto-corrected to the long one so it sounded like I was going hey man hope your Catan hangover isn't too bad <laughs> which is, I think is a little excessive a little much for you know a, a 10 a.m haha text but yeah let's see what do we got 20 minutes let's see if i can find something on my trusty laptop in the news although most things in the news are pretty disappointing where do you go to get your news i type in news and press enter and see what happens in google cbc news comes up let's see what they say canadian broadcast company the long-term care crisis. How BC controlled COVID-19 while Ontario, Ontario and Quebec faced disaster. So apparently the military went in and um, to these long-term care homes because everyone, they just fucking, the care workers like abandoned it because they didn't want to die and just found like horrid conditions, horrid, like terrible conditions. Um, it's like, man, like, if I, I see I see my parents weekly minimum. How the fuck do you put your parents in long-term care and see them so little that you don't notice they haven't had their diaper changed in like two months and fucking have like bed sores and shit like that? It's like ugh. 
fuck. The report is gross. It's fucking gross, man. I don't know how people treat him like that. What else? Doug Ford. Doug Ford has fucking rose from the ashes. If anyone has ever rose from the ashes. Everyone fucking hated this guy. And now he is like the non-bullshit savior of Ontario in this pandemic. So good for him. Minnesota governor activates National Guard amidst violent protests over death of black men in police custody. Here's my... So as you can tell, I'm a white guy. And if you couldn't tell, I'm a white guy that wears M&M t-shirts, so I'm really white. Here's my advice. I don't know. I can't. Listen. It was bullshit what happened to that dude. 100% bullshit what happened to that dude. It shouldn't have happened. The cops that did it are fucking pieces of shit. They should be thrown in jail or they should be brought to trial and thrown in jail. 100%. So I don't have any advice for the minorities who were affected. I don't have anything to say because I could not possibly empathize what it's like to be in your shoes at all. The advice I do have is for other white guys, which is, unless you're going to say something positive and constructive, just, just, just shut the fuck up. Just, (laughs) just, 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 just just shut, just shut the fuck up. Just, just don't, just, this isn't, like I see, first of all, why do I go on Twitter? I see dudes on Twitter, you know, but it's not all cops. Nobody's saying it's all cops. Nobody in their right mind is saying that every cop on this planet wants to kill black men in cold blood. Nobody is saying that. And if they are saying that, they're fucking crazy. Don't listen to them. Nobody is saying that. They're saying that there are a certain percentage. I don't know the number. Maybe it's 1%. Maybe it's 20%. But there is a certain percentage of police officers with badges who should not have said badges. That is all they're saying. And that video is what is showing that's was what proving that statement. And then people say, well, what was happening in the video before? It doesn't. What could he have possibly been doing in the video before that to justify a police officer putting his neck on his throat? and killing him on the streets. While three other police officers did the bouncer at a shitty nightclub. Hey, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? There's there's no justification. So if you are a white guy, here is my advice from another white guy. Support the cause, put a thing on Instagram, reach out to anyone who you think is affected and say, hey, I'm here with you. That was bullshit. Stand up for the people who lost their lives in conversations stand up for people who are trying to make a difference and do not use it as an opportunity to spread your bullshit opinions because it's never the time but now is especially not the time that is the last thing we need are people playing devil's advocates that is the last thing we need and i don't want to paint with a broad brush but i don't think there's a lot of black people standing up for that police officer i would imagine it is mostly white guys so if you are said white guy just just shut the fuck up just <laughs> just, just shut up. just just go just go do whatever it is white guys like you do and just shut the fuck up. and women white women as well who are you know spreading propaganda and conspiracy theories just shut the fuck up just just no just no that is that was bullshit that sucked to watch 
that sucks to be a part of, that sucks to know it happens. And I don't have the stats on it, but I would imagine for every one that's filmed, there's probably a hundred that isn't, and it's probably maybe even close to a thousand that aren't filmed. And you know what, if it's one, it's too fucking many. So that sucked. And um, yeah, those guys are gonna be brought, because you know, there's an FBI investigation, I'm sure those guys are gonna be brought in, be brought to justice. Um, but there's a bigger problem that I do not have the answer to. I do not know how to solve, but I just hope to damn that, um, that it can be solved in my lifetime. It would be nice. Um, but yeah, something's got to change, man. Something's got to change because there was no, uh, there's no explaining your way out of that one. That's for sure. Um, why don't we try and end on a positive note? Uh, 25 minutes. Let's see if I can do a half an hour. I said, let's try and end on a positive note. And then I went back to CBC News as if anything on here is going to be even remotely positive. Let's see. Um, COVID, COVID, Justin Trudeau, uh, nurse left homeless. Jesus Christ. Uh, COVID. Ontario needs to be more transparent. Okay. Uh, a toaster oven caught fire and, and was told by Whirlpool to take it up with a company in China. Okay. Maybe this has some comedic value. Oh, if you could see the woman on the picture that they have of, of the woman whose, I guess, toaster oven burned is just mwah, just exactly who you think she would look like. It's great. After her toaster oven caught fire, Ontario woman was told by Whirlpool to take it up with the company in China. Um, that was my Donald Trump impression. Company apologizes, offers thousands of dollars in compensation after go public inquiries. When Valerie Hammond's countertop oven bursts into flames, why do you need a countertop oven, first of all? Just use your fucking oven, man. Or your toaster. Do you really need a countertop oven for what? For bagel bites like just stop buying shit like I think you can see my my kitchen like it's pretty you know I've got some vitamins because I'm trying to fight COVID here and then I got some soap here it's really hard to point and I have my Hamilton Beach blender which I use every day I wanted a, a stag the, the least manly thing about a stag they gave out a smoothie blender and I want it I can't explain how fucking pumped I was when I won that blunder. Cause it was one of those ones where you put, it wasn't the one where you put tickets for a prize. You just buy tickets and then they randomly pick it out and say, all right, we're doing this prize. We're doing this prize. So I had one shit all night. This Hamilton beach blunder comes up and I'm like, come on, come on. This is the one thing I fucking won. Everything else in the stag was like, here's a Maple Leafs jersey from seven years ago that no one wanted. Like, but this was like, come on, give me a fucking blunder, man. I gotta make some smoothies. They called my name. I literally did the Rocky, the Rocky slash the baby, where I was like, yes. I like ran on, I was hammered, ran on stage, held it up like the fucking one, the Stanley Cup, like, wah. Good story. Anyway, let's get back to the poor Valerie. Anyway, like I was saying, I don't have much because you don't need much. Watch minimalism, 
on Netflix. Fuck sakes. A, a, an oven on your countertop, a toaster oven, and a toaster, and an oven. Come on, Valerie. Dig in your own grave. All right. When Valerie Hammond's countertop oven bursts into flames, causing hundreds of dollars in damages, that's not that bad, the fuck, to her kitchen, she figured the cost would be covered since the KitchenAid appliance was from a big company she trusted. Whirlpool, who owns KitchenAid, I did not know that, replaced the oven as required by the warranty. Gee, thanks. But things got complicated when she asked for $600 to cover the smoke and fire damage. Whirlpool refused, telling Hammond she'd have to go to a third-party company she'd never heard of, located in China, that owns the factory that manufactured the appliance. Shocker. I was absolutely shocked. Took the words out of my mouth. I don't understand. It doesn't say Electech International on it. It said KitchenAid. You're telling me you can wash your hands of it? The Kitchener Ontario woman said on GoPublic. What is GoPublic? Hammond's problems started in October 2018 with her compact oven went in flames while she was cooking with a small roast. Hammond's problems started in October 2018 when her compact oven went up in flames while she was cooking a small roast. And that wasn't enough for her to say, you know what, maybe I don't need a fucking toaster oven on top of my counter. Valerie, you're losing points with me here. I went upstairs to the linen cupboard to get a couple of tea towels and smelled what wasn't meat. It smelled like metal. Seconds later, the smoke alarm went off and I came running downstairs. The kitchen was full of thick, dense smoke and there were flames shooting out of the control panel of the oven. Jesus Christ. The 68-year-old woman was e had the 68-year-old called and emailed I just made up the word woman. It wasn't there. The 68-year-old called and emailed Whirlpool dozens of times over more than six months but got nowhere on her claim to the damage. How much was that toaster oven? Like, isn't your time worth anything? Uh, her oven was not a Whirlpool product. So she, showed, she contacted them for six months. They, didn't, they said, lady, too fucking bad. You want to you wanna shoot your shot with the toaster oven? You fucking deal with it. Her oven was not a Whirlpool product, the company representative told her via email. So Whirlpool wasn't liable for the damage. She was referred to Electech International. Hammond says she tried contacting the company in China using the telephone number Whirlpool provided her. Yeah, good luck. Her calls would ring through, but no one would ever pick up. Obviously not. It was probably a fake fucking phone number. You think they're going to pick up Hello China Company that makes your fucking oven? Oh, oh, you, we owe you $600? Sure. Who do we make it out to? What's your, like, how did you think that was going to go? Her emails... Uh, also went unanswered. Yeah, there's no one there. There's no one there. It's a, it's a, it's a smoke. No pun intended. Smoke and mirror. There's no company in China, and if it is, they don't have someone sitting there like, oh, we owe you money. Okay, here's your check. Like, come on, Valerie. I was so frustrated with Whirlpool and didn't know what else to do. This was a David and Goliath fight because they weren't going to listen to me. She said. Then they show a picture of the fucking toaster oven and the things like the top corner is burnt off. Jesus. She says she won't replace she won't use the replacement after the company wouldn't tell her what caused the fire. Basically it's a paperweight, she said. I don't know what that means. No recalls have been issued for that oven's make and model, of course. Why would you possibly do that? After hearing from Go Public, Whirlpool apologized, of course.
God forbid you just do the right thing the first time. You only do the right thing when you caught with your pants down and someone's got a camera in front of you and you go, all right, I got some explaining to do. God forbid you just do the right thing from the bat, off the bat. From the get-go, off the bat, pick a, pick a saying, Rob, pick a saying. Um, after hearing from Go Public, Whirlpool apologized, calling Valerie's experience unacceptable and saying it would be appropriately addressed. It eventually paid him $5,000 for her damage and her trouble. I was wrong. I insulted, insulted Valerie from the beginning. However, it was Valerie that should be the one laughing because she not only bought a stupid oven and it set on fire and then she bought another stupid oven and it set on fire. She is now the recipient of $5,000 that she probably didn't deserve, but got anyway because Whirlpool didn't want to put up with her bullshit anymore. So you know what, Valerie? I was wrong. Um, then there's an audio clip of Valerie. I'd play it, but I'd probably get flagged. Uh, nowhere to turn, but consumer advocates say that a lot of Canadians are having similar problems left on their own to deal with uncooperative companies. Of course, there's no incentive for them to fucking deal with you because they just don't give a shit. They're a corporation. Like, well, I don't understand why you think a corporation gives a fuck about you. They don't. Have you ever been to Vegas? I haven't. I've seen pictures. See those huge towers? The fucking... The Bellagio Fountain. You think they built that by being nice to people? And being fair? And by people making more money than them? No! Have you been to Apple's headquarters in Palo Alto? I haven't. But I've seen videos. And I've seen pictures. And I've seen douchebags with YouTube vlogs saying... Hey guys, we're at One Infinite Loop here. We're going to take a tour around. Look at this bicycle. Like, you think they built all that by creating products and being fair to everyone a lot, uh, everyone involved in the supply chain, including the customers? Of course not. Of course not. I don't get the surprise. Like, this Valerie lady seems nice. She's surprised that Whirlpool wouldn't help. I'm surprised that Valerie was surprised. I don't get, I don't get it. I don't get why you think they're your friend. They're not. They're fucking, I'm not even like a, screw the corporations, man. I just, I walk around with my eyes open and I see shit. Like, and also, not to get political, but like, after this pandemic, we better fucking learn that we need to start making shit here because we had GM making ventilators that's responsible for keeping people alive. And GM hasn't even made a good fucking car in 30 years. Yeah, yet they were the ones in charge of making ventilators for hospitals in America. Like, them? Of all people? Like... Anyway, we're at 35 minutes. That is all. Hopefully I'll have Mike, the Iron Boy... Uh, on the pack podcast on Sunday, which is this weekend. So hopefully that works out. We'll see. I'm sure he's a busy guy. Uh, my buddy, my other friend, Mike, Mikey Shoots. Hopefully he'll come on. Um, he's got a lot of insight around startups and entrepreneurship. So we'll see how that goes. And hopefully episode number dos of uh, of rap revisited uh, my rap album podcast. 
slash YouTube show with um, with Mike and Rohit. Hopefully that uh, comes up as well. Um, we're supposed to do that tomorrow, but like, I don't get my ho- I don't get my hopes up with those guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, when they text you say, "Hey, I'll see you tomorrow," like I don't I don't get excited for tomorrow because I've been hopping broke so many times. I, I, I don't know what to believe in. Ruben Stutter, remember him? Nobody does. Um, yeah, so hopefully we got some more fire podcasts coming your way. Uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. Hey, if you have anyone that wants to be on the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you have something to promote, if you have a small business, uh, or if you have a you know a content page, an Instagram page, a YouTube page, if something you want to promote, uh, feel free to, to message me in the comments or, or whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, That'd be a lot of fun, uh, and also if you want to just if you're if you don't have anything to promote, but you want to come on and shoot the shit, and we can talk about uh, you know corporations and toaster ovens and COVID nineteen, um, then we can do that too. Uh, I'm open to it. I enjoy doing this by myself. I enjoy doing the Zoom calls and getting all the angles and asking the hard hitting questions. Uh, whatever, man. I'm just fucking happy to be alive at this point. Um, I didn't talk about running. I've been running. I've been working out. I've been trying to eat right, except for that pizza. I'll talk about that on the next episode of Hi Hikiki. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Wash your hands. Tell someone you love them. Um, do your best. Make yourself proud. Um, when you go to bed at night, or if you're, if you're thinking about doing something, think in your head, what will I be happy enough when I put my head on that pillow? What will I be happy that I did? Will I be happy that I took that risk? Will I be happy that I made that podcast? Will I be happy that I texted that girl? Or will I be happy that I bitched out? I would imagine you would not be happy that you bitched out. So don't bitch out. Do things. Uh, be happy. Love your life. Do it all, man. Life's short and it sucks sometimes. Um, and it sucks right now. Uh, but it's going to get better. The sun is coming. Um, and it's going to be great when it does. Until then, take care of yourself. Love you. Bye.